Welcome to the Emblem Support Podcast. Emblem Engaged with Byleth, I am Ordo, and he is Emblem Engaged with Ike, Cardwiz. Build an army, trust no one except for us. This is the Emblem Support Podcast, and my good friend Ordo, as I wait for the enemies to attack me before I engage my power of Aether, I must ask you, besides the big obvious game that we're going to talk about later today, what have you been playing? Not that there are any other games in the universe that matter, but just in case. Um, when I was thinking about this episode for the podcast, I was like, have I actually been playing anything except for Fire Emblem Engage? <laughs> and to be honest, I, I really haven't been playing anything except for Fire Emblem Engage, but I guess I'll go with what I've been watching on TV instead. I've been watching, uh, or catching up on Riverdale. Um, I'm currently in season, I want to say season six, right? And, um, basically I had to rearrange my room cause I got a brand new TV for Christmas. And so I've been really just catching up on that. I know nothing about that show, so I can't ask further questions. Sorry, I have been playing a few things. I've, I've, it's been a couple of years, but I've downloaded Skyrim again. Been playing through that. Been having fun with my adventures and actually doing like the creators' content stuff. So they have added things like backpacks, so it's nice to be able to actually carry a lot of junk around, which I appreciate. Oh, so they can carry, and they can carry all those cheese wheels and stolen forks. So many forks, so many pieces of cheese. It is basically a big old smorgasbord. Got a fondue set basically back there. It's fantastic. But what I has- usually do is that I, when I was wandering around that game originally, when I just bought it, I ended up doing the, the College of Winterhold quest, and you end up becoming like the leader of that place, and you get access to um, the, the leader's room. I forget what the actual title is. And it has a safe in there. And that safe has like infinite storage. So I just took everything to the College of Winterhold. Or what, is it Winterhold or Winterfell? I think it's Winterhold. I okay. I can't remember exactly because I haven't found that place yet. I've only found like three of the cities, even though I've got like a hundred dungeons and stuff explored on the map. I'm just like, yeah, I don't need to go to the cities. I can. Ju- I'm just wandering around. That's yeah, how that's I play the, Skyrim. <laughs> I say, I mean, that, that, that's really the brilliance of Skyrim. I know it's kind of like a meme now, or I guess it's been a meme for years. It's on everything. It's, it's, it really is just a fun game just to like dive into, walk around, do some quests. It was the game that I bought on a whim back in 2011. I was just like, eh, what, I, I, I kind of liked Oblivion a little bit. I guess I'll just buy this, whatever. And then when I was playing it, I was just like, yeah, I guess this is all right. I don't, I don't really care for it that much. And then when I stopped and say it, I was like, oh, I have 60 hours in this game. <laughs> I feel like I've told that story before. Anyways, um, Skyrim, it's on Switch, so go get it. Could do that. There's also another game I want to talk about. A game that I didn't know existed was going to exist because I never thought there would be a sequel slash remake of this game. It is... From the 3DS originally, but it's been ported to phones, specifically Apple Plus, sadly. But freaking Card Jockey Solitaire, a horse racing solitaire game, which I absolutely loved on the 3DS, got a remake. Sadly, I had to get Apple Arcade, but this is a game by Game Freak of all places. And you can race horses and just play solitaire, eventually get into breeding horses. It's just a really good horse racing sim with a lot of solitaire elements. So it's basically the perfect game for me. And it released the same day as a certain uh, Fire Emblem Engage or something like that. And I, I don't have as many hours into this, but I it's been my second most played game in the last week. So it's been a lot of fun. I keep hearing about this game on other gaming podcasts. They they keep they just call it Pocket really? Jockey or something like that. Yeah, people are like really talking about this. And I people are saying it's Game Freak's best game that they've ever made. I was like, really? Huh? I I would disagree slightly because I, I know it's fun to trash on Pokemon, but I still like Pokemon more. But Pocket Card Jockey, like it's a, it is legitimately a really good game. I loved it on the 3DS. And I love that it's gotten a remake with better graphics and fixed a few of the economy issues in that game because the economy in the first game was absolutely absurd how expensive stuff was. It is much more reasonable now, but just a solid, if you like yourself a solitaire game, it might be the best solitaire-like game on the mar- market. Like that tripe solitaire style of solitaire. But enough of that. This is not the card game podcast as much as I would like it to be sometimes. We are here to engage, my friend. After so many years, a new Fire Emblem game has arrived. 
solely inte- solely developed by intelligent systems. No Koei Tecmo here. Oh, it's such a beautiful thing. We have it in our hands. And this is a first impressions podcast. We are not going to go into the deep diving of the story. We're not going to go into the spoilers. We're not going to go into in-game. That will we'll save that for another podcast. That might happen sooner rather than later, but for now, we want to give our first impressions of just about everything that this game has. And dear Lord, there is a lot to talk about with this game. Definitely, definitely. I, I would say, even though you said we're not going to go into spoilers, which I don't think we are, I'm just going to say mild spoilers just for a couple of things here and there. But nothing like, oh man, I'm going to reveal the end because I am only at chapter 17. Yeah, I'm only at chapter 14. Oh man, like, so... Where do you want to begin? Let's just start how this game looks. Oh my freaking goodness, this game is utterly gorgeous. It is by far the best looking Fire Emblem game out there, I would say. Like, just when the cutscenes actually started up, I was just like, oh my god, these cutscenes, they move at more than 15 frames per second. Oh my goodness, this is great. The style that they've taken, like it has that gust look to it. It has that utterly beautiful. I know Pete, I know people have been quote complaining. This is an anime game now, but oh my goodness, it looks so beautiful compared to how three, three houses. I didn't think was a bad looking game by any means, but this game has taken like the backgrounds and the conversations and just the facial animations and it is utterly beautiful to look at. Well, I just think this Fire Emblem has always been anime. It's just that the standards for anime have changed throughout the years. I, I saw that. I saw that video. I was just like, no, come on. <laughs> just like, what are you talking about, dude? This. Yeah. Uh... Yeah, yeah. But yeah, it's a very beautiful, very, very colorful game. I, I love the way the characters are designed. Alir could take them or leave them. Or multi-haired toothpaste chon. I like the I like the red and the blue hair. I think it's a fun I think it's a fun look for a protagonist. And I'm not taking like the I'm it wouldn't surprise me if the late game will get like an actual origin for why the hair is a different color at this point. I can understand why someone wouldn't like the design of Alir. It is an odd choice for a protagonist to straight up just have, yes, half red, half blue hair, but Hey, I will take a unique look. It is a fun look. I, I'm not distracted by it, personally. I love watching it. In the freaking overworld, I love watching the female Alira. Just love watching that flow of the hair. <laughs> just run across as you're running across the world. Uh, honestly, I don't think any of the designs in this game I hate. I, for the most part, like everything. As soon as I saw the map, I was just like, oh, this is like Sacred Stones. Or uh, Gaiden <laughs> slash Echoes. Mm-hmm. We get, we get to fully explore the map again. We got a awakening situation. It they're doing a, they are definitely taking us back to a lot of the things that Fire Emblem used to do. It is a different direction than they took with Three Houses, and I absolutely do not mind this direction thus far. Yeah, I saw some complaints online. It's just like, oh, well, it's just not as deep as Three Houses. I'm just like, okay, let me put my rant hat on. <clears throat> Because the same people that said, oh, it's not as deep as Three Houses are the same people that didn't want to complete Three Houses. Understandable. Well, I, I mean, it is understandable, but suddenly this whole thing of, oh, engage a story. And again, haven't finished it, right? We could be looking at a Mass Effect 3 situation where I'm thinking everything's okay until the end. But it just bothers me when these people are complaining that, oh, it's not as good as Three Houses. But I'm just like, well, you didn't want to finish three houses and you only played one route from three houses. And now I will say that like some of those support conversations that I've encountered so far aren't as deep as three houses, but it doesn't need to be. What say you? It It's the circle of RPG. It's whenever a sequel comes out, there will always be a loud minority who say it's not as good as the last one. I remember when persona five came out, it's just like, it's not as good as persona four. Oh. There, if there are always going to be that crowd, and you just have to usually just ignore them as harsh as that may sound, because 
it feels like nothing we say, nothing the game could do would change their mind that they love three houses the most. And that's perfectly fine. I still love Fire Emblem 7 the most. I have proclaimed that a thousand billion times. It's my favorite game of all time. And so in my mind, no game will ever live up to it. But I'm still loving the game. That doesn't mean I can't fall in love with a game and be utterly amazed by it. Right now, I am in that honeymoon period with Engage where I am utterly in love with this game. I cannot believe I've put it down for the last couple of hours. I can't believe I have to put it down to talk to you. I want to be playing Engage right now. No. We have to have a podcast to do, Cardwiz, and you won't do it. We have an obligation to the people. Stupid people. Settle down. Thanks for (laughs) listening to the podcast. Just because right, I resent you a little bit right now. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have a, because uh, we're, we're going to jump around here. I, I, I put out some notes here for us to just kind of take a look at. And so we're going to jump around instead of just going in order. So I got a question to ask you right here, right now. Who is your favorite character? Who's your least favorite character? So My far. girl, Etia. We will rule the world together despite her getting no stat growths for me for like her first 10 levels or so. Oh my gosh. She fell off for me so hard. Oh yeah. She, she should not be in my party right now, but she's my favorite character and I'm forcing her to join me until the end of the game. My girl, Etia. We will run laps around the Somniel together and we're going to shoot down everything with our super bows that I keep enhancing and spending all my money to enhance. Etia, you're going to kill everything, my girl. And for my least favorite character, um, there is a cavalier who shows up around the middle portion or around chapter 10 or so. Uh, Amber, I ain't a fan. <laughs> Sorry, buddy. You're talking to your horsey, talking about alpacas all the time. Just like, nah, not into you right now. Don't love what's going on with the, all of this. Sorry. Sorry, Amber. You're you you were one, my first easy cut from my party. He's such a disappointment. He's not my least favorite character. In fact, I didn't even deploy him because he's like hee hee horsey. I'm just like, no, you are not going in my party. Welcome to the bench. <laughs> um, but it's disappointing because I like his design because he looks like a different take on um oh, I can't believe I want to mention this game t- twice in a row in a podcast, but he looks like uh Eldigan from Genealogy of the Holy War. Which I really dig his design, especially his hero's art that's, that was drawn by, I want to say, uh, Pinnaco R or Pinnacor or something like that. And when I first saw him like show up, I'm like, oh, dude, he looks so cool. And then he's like, he, 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 horsey brought me here. I don't know why. I'm just like, oh, no. What have you oh, done? No. Oh, no, you're benched. Get out. No, I don't want you in my party. Speaking of, though, I'm, I'm not going to, I'm, I'm going to take my best character in a second, but I did not realize this. Until I was selecting units uh, when I was playing yesterday, but I just about run all female units in this game and hardly any of the men by accident. Right now, I I have been going over my list of characters right now, just prepare for the end game. And right now, of like the six or seven people who are just like, okay, I know you're going to be in my final party. Oh, I have only one guy. That's me but too. I've got my boy Louis. Louis, he's yeah, going to carry Louis. me. Through. Louis is so good. He's one of the best armor units in the history of Fire Emblem, it feels like right now. I like how everyone gravitated towards putting him uh, with Sigurd because Sigurd gives him Kanto. Or I guess it's called Kantur in this game. I might. It's so good. Giving him the power. Oh, yes. I have an armor knight who can move 11 spaces now. Enjoy. <laughs> and then he can move like, what, four backwards when he's done, depending on your movement or whatever. <laughs> it's insane. Dude, dude for the Sigurd charge attack. If you get them in a line and you give Louie like a great Lance. Oh my goodness. It kills. Cause you don't have the downside of the great Lance in that situation. Oh, moi, moi. I love it. How I ended up with him, How I ended up with that combination. I, that's actually something I didn't write down. Um, how I ended up with that combination was that. I was at first I was trying to get everyone with their type of bonuses. I was thinking a little Pokemon and like, you know, same attack site, the stab bonuses, same type attack bonus. Um, so I was like, well, Louie has a Lance and Chloe has a Lance, but Chloe has movement. And she can fly. So what if I give Sigurd to Louie? I was like, Oh, Oh, this is <laughs> ridiculous. It's amazing. 
and then you know dipping and dodging through the spoilers and whatnot i just figured out that everyone was doing the same thing so i think that's cool that we all gravitated towards the same thing yes the idea of an 11 move armor knight is an absolutely beautiful thing and oh my goodness i love this so much let's go back to the start of the game okay the second you boot it up how from a thousand years ago how did you feel when you heard that theme song because i had not heard it before i booted up the game i had no idea we were going to get like such a more modern pop rockish feeling theme. How, how did you feel when you first heard that number? Well, it, there's no brevity like with, um, Oh, what, what's your name? Oh, my brain's racking my brain out. Azura. You going to hear the dun, 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 You are the ocean's gray waves. And it slowly leads you in. But this one just like punches you in the face. It's like, I was just like, oh, chill, chill, chill. Um, I don't like the song. I've heard it in English and I've heard it in Japanese. Japanese is a little better, but the English one, it feels like they directly translated the Japanese lyrics and tried to shove it in and it just doesn't work. It's like, the English lyrics of this straight up feel like, here is the synopsis of the game, but we're doing it to a rockin' tune. I do like the tune. I like the rhythm of the song. The lyrics are something. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, the, like the actual instrumental, the dun 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 dun. Like that actually sounds good. I'm, I've no problem with that. It's just the the actual lyrical, whatever you want to everyone call it, just sounds bad. Oh man! But it, I did find it interesting that they start off with male allure and they immediately have like. It transitioning over to female ear for like a good portion before they translate back over to the male ear. It's an interesting way that they did the opening. It was a fun opening <laughs> to go back. I don't think we answered. I don't remember answering the question for your end. Who who is your favorite character? It's simple. There's only one character who is the best. She is a Joe star. <laughs> Her Japanese voice actor voices a Jolene Kujo in JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. And uh, it's Yunaka. I don't know why I gravitated towards her. I actually thought she was a, a mage unit at first, but just because how she dressed, it's sort of mage-like. And then I was like, oh, well, she's a, she's a dagger unit. Okay. And she's, she's just been my, one of my favorite units to use. She kind of looks a little like the Celica in this game. So I just, for whatever reason, I just put them together. And uh, yeah, she's been probably one of my best units. She rides a wolf now. Ooh. Yeah. Oh, I she, might take her in that direction. Oh. She, um, God, there's something that's on the tip of my tongue I'm wanting to say about her. Oh, her color scheme. Her color scheme is very much like Layla from Fire Emblem 7. Like the, the purple outfit and like she has those yellowed boots. I'm just like, well, okay. She's like, she's like Layla. And she's been my debuffer. Or does she debuff? No, she poisoned. Yeah, the, that's what yeah po the poison, poison is a debuff in this game. Yeah. But she has these cool poison daggers. I've used her to finish off enemies, or I've used her to start um, attacking enemies. Um, she's been incredibly good for me. I dig her personality. I like that she has this past that you kind of don't really know about. Actually, I have just found out about her uh, from another character. But I like how she's just like, Hiya Papaya, or Zappy Zappy. And then, and then you put her in a forest, and it's all of a sudden crit and murder everything. <laughs> yes. I like when you, uh, what is it? Cause the first, like, okay. If you attack someone twice, the first time she'll throw a dagger, she'll be like, <laughs> throw the knife. But if she hits that critical, she's like, you left yourself open. I'm just like, Oh, Oh yeah. yeah she's one of my <laughs> favorites too. Oh my goodness. That first time you hit a crit with her, you, she gets from high papaya to I'm going to murder you. And she's like, Oh yes. You're one of my favorites. I love her. She's great. Bubbly, uh, cheerful. Murder. <laughs> murder. What's that? <laughs> I, I saw this meme floating around, but it's like, you know, it's something like, uh, it's okay to talk about yourself. Your feelings matter. Murder's okay. And I can't remember what the last one is, but it was something like, uh, I can't remember all the characters people even used for it. Anyways, but yeah, it's definitely Yunaka, or I just call her Yunaka Joestar. <laughs> 
I guess I should call her Yunaka Kujo to be accurate, but whatever. There are so many. There are so many characters in this game so far, and I know we've got a whole lot more to recruit by the end of the game. But I will say, there for the first part of the game, as I was playing it, I had a fear. I had a very real fear because the game was going in a very specific direction with its characters. They took a really strong fates approach with this. We get because you got a whole lot of royals and each of those royals has two friends that they will join along with. And just as this was happening throughout the game, it's like, oh, no, are we not going to have individual characters? Are we going to have characters solely dedicated to be like, oh, man, I love my lord. I was very afraid of that. Well, between that and the fact that everyone's just like, oh, my gosh, divine one, you're so great. You're so amazing. Your presence is just Oh, everything that I live for. I'm just like, oh, please, just please stop, please. Thankfully, the worst of that happens in the early game. From what I've seen so far, it could get bad again. But And the worst is with the supports with your initial three units with Vander and the twins. Yeah. Oh, dear Lord, the Divine Dragon supports with those guys. It made me want to bench all three of them immediately, almost. Well, With- two out of the three for me are benched. One, because they're the Jagan archetype, which means that they can kind of steal kills and experience that you can get for other units. And one, he just kind of fell off. The The boy twin, is it, is it Clan? Clan. I, want, okay. I keep wanting to call him Clan, but in throughout, I've been playing this online. I've been streaming this game, and he's just Deku to me because he has Midoriya's voice actor from My Hero Academia. Wait, 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 wait. It's, it's not... Um... Anthony Del Rio? Who would be um, Silas and Pitt? I'd have to look it up. But it, it is 100% Midoriya. That is who Clan is. And it's just like, oh, it, it brings a smile to my face because, like, it's more tolerable with this because, like, oh, your hero worship of Valir is just like Midoriya's hero worship of All of Might. It's literally the same guy. They, there's a reason you got, yeah. you got cast in this, and it's perfect casting. I ain't the, mad at this. And the color green. And the color green. Too bad he too bad he kind of fell off for me and he got benched. Because I wanted to use him. I keep wanting to make my hero academia jokes as I played, but I was just like, nope, you fell off too quickly. It now makes me wish that um he was the monk instead. The, like, the, I know. You we could, next time I play, might reclass him as monk. Get those second seals. This this is definitely a game where like it gives you a ton of class options. Like so far, I haven't had like the opportunity to put characters through different pro, pro, proficiencies. If I can talk right, um, but I've I just figured oh it's just going to be like okay you can upgrade to maybe one or two classes, but like no it's just like well if you have all these different proficiencies then you can like go to more than just the standard class. So like I'm trying to think of a character um. Before we go into that, how yeah, yeah. do you, how do you feel about the way you gain proficiencies now? Because this game, it's very different from Three Houses, and it really threw me off and took me a while to figure out how that worked. In this game, the way you do proficiencies is you have to bond with the rings, and that is the only way to gain proficiency in axes or swords or whatever you don't have access to. Right. So if you're a character, I'll give I'll give you a good example here, like. Yunaka to be able to turn her she has actually three different wolf um cavalier classes one is that you're good with the dagger and the sword the dagger and the axe or the dagger and the lance but the game doesn't really tell you this or kind of like you don't know until you've actually went to master seal your very first character I'm trying to think of a character so for a lot of the time I had a leer with characters like basically sword wielding units or characters only give you other sword proficiencies so I got sword proficiency pretty quick with a leer, but the only class I can jump up to is divine dragon, which is a sword class for a leer, unless something happens later down the line. And that's when I was just like, Oh, so I should have been engaging with other characters, other characters with other, other characters. So I'm not, I'm not thrilled by that, honestly, because it doesn't tell you, or yeah. if it does, if it did tell you, I must've missed it. Same. I didn't notice until the first time I tried to reclass someone, and that was like around like level chapter twelve or something like that. And it was very frustrating to learn. I was like, "Wait, I shouldn't have been having my sword person use the sword uh, emblem." That I was I wasting my time a little bit in a sense, but 
once I've now that I've learned this, I think I do like it. It's just one of those things that like, I really wish you would tutorialize this a lot sooner because I would have really changed the way I was playing up to this point if I had known this. Yeah, because the way the game goes is that, you know, you start off with, well, it's like what I was talking about with Louis a second ago, where it's like, oh, well, Louis uses an axe or uh, Louis uses a, a lance. So I guess I should put Sigurd there because he also uses a lance. Same attack bonuses. But that only means that Louis going to get. Well, it depends on which emblem that you're using. Like you think Ike's main weapon is a sword, but he also gives axe proficiency. Um, Lucina, her main weapon is a sword, but she also gives bow proficiencies. So you're thinking sword, sword, lance, lance, axe, axe, because you're trying to maximize the best that your character can do. For example, if you have a character like Micaiah, who is a mage, you probably wouldn't put them with a physical unit because their strength is not going to be that great. Unless the magic and strength stat are two different things. I magic and strength are two separate stats. Okay, so you wouldn't take Micaiah and put her with, say, oh, I'm trying to think of his name, Boucheron, who's an axe guy. Because that's just going to make his magic better, but it doesn't make his... Uh, doesn't do anything for its strength, right? And it's sort of the opposite, where you wouldn't take someone like Ike and put him on, say, um, trying to think of a mage. Oh, what's her name? Is it Citrine? Citrine? Yeah, oh, Citrine. Yeah, Citrine. You wouldn't take you wouldn't take an axe proficiency and put it on Citrine because that's not going to make any sense. And I'm sure there's a lot of experimentation you can do too, where, where it's like, well, if you actually did, then maybe you get this sort of class where it's mixed. But it's just like, it's it would be like if you. It, it's like an awakening where if you took a second seal and you put Lisa into a axe wielding class and you gave her the physical axes, actually that probably doesn't make sense. Never mind. <laughs> it sounded better in my head. Yeah. Th this game with its reclass, with the combination of the reclassing system and with all of these emblems and with all the skills you can get from these emblems, and all these emblems go up to level 20, you get different skills along the way that you have to purchase. I am very intrigued by the completely broken builds I'm sure you can get. I am looking forward to what kind of weird builds can I do. But my fear is that like, I would, I'm going to have to dedicate very early to picking exactly what skills I'm going to purchase. Because this game, at least up to this point, it feels like it doesn't give out the BP very much. It feels like you're only going to be able to purchase one or two really good skills throughout the entire game per character. Because yeah. this game, you have to go to the ring chamber, and once you've leveled up an emblem enough, you can purchase these skills with the BP, but you earn BP so slowly. You only get a few BP at a time per attack, per kill. And it, man, it feels like I'm not going to be able to do a whole lot. I'm going to have to pick a path. I'm going to have to know ahead of time the skills I'm going to aim for by the end of the game and just work on that. And you also get different emblems at different times, too. So it's very possible that you could have a character like right around... Well, I guess, I guess you could do this. Like, a character like... Um, gosh, I'm trying to avoid spoilers. Um, there's a flying mage that you get. And you get her at, like, level 17. So she's ready to reclass. She's already dedicated to the magecraft. Okay. So then you want to pair her with another magic emblem that you get before. But they're not bonded high enough. And you want to be able to get different skills to increase her magic, but it's not going to work because she's still so low. I'm trying to stay, I'm trying to stay vague. And it's yes, like, it's, uh, it, you're, you're <laughs> trying your best. I can tell you're trying your best, man. <laughs> I'm struggling <laughs> listeners, please. I'm pleading with you. <laughs> I'm trying to say as vague as I possibly can. Um, but yeah, it's just like stuff like that. It's a little bit harder. Um, but you, something else that kind of makes it a little bit harder too, is that, you get, um, you max your bond by default at 10. And then you get a paralog that you can do, which you can challenge that emblem in something. I'll give you an example for Byleth. Since we're, since we're talking about, since, uh, everyone here should at least play three houses before. 
So for Bodless, you go to a place that's exactly like the Holy Tomb from Three Houses once you've reached level 10. So after you reach, after you, sorry, when you reach level 10, you can challenge Byleth in the paralogue. Then after you overcome that trial, you now have access up to level 20 for Byleth. But your BP accruement is so slow that it's possible that you're probably not going to be able to reach level 20 with one character. Maybe this will be amended by the end of the game. Maybe by the end of the game, there will be ways to increase the BP you get. But as of now, it just feels like, man, there are so many skills I'd like to get, but I'm only going to be able to get like one or two. Yeah. And like, and like I said, we could be highly inaccurate right now because we're not even, we're not in the end game. We're close to it. Um, I don't even know how many chapters this game has. He's on 14. I'm on 17. There could be something eventually that makes that accrue a little bit easier or maybe makes your bonds go up a little bit higher at a faster rate. But what do you think about the emblem rings from a uh, gameplay perspective? I am very intrigued with the way the chapters have worked out, the way the story has been told up to this point. I love how they've used the emblems as storytelling standpoints. In particular, I'm not going to go into the details of this. This game has maybe my favorite chapter in all all of Fire Emblem based on the storytelling they do with these emblems. That is chapter 11. Chapter 11 is maybe my favorite chapter in all of Fire Emblem. It was so good. I love the way they told that story. Chapter 11 so good in this game. I'm, But I did have one thing that slightly ruined the immersion and ruined a little bit of the storytelling of it. And it's going to be something I'm going to recommend everyone do if they do this. If you get the DLC, I would ask, try not to access the DLC until chapter 12. Not only because the chapter to get the freaking Tiki DLC is insanely, ridiculously difficult at when you first, that paralog first pops up. When I did that chapter, I didn't look at what the level recommendation was. And oh my goodness, I've never struggled that much with a Fire Emblem map in my life, maybe. But with it without before I actually succeeded, intelligent systems is really push is really punishing us for having adult Tiki win choose your legends, aren't they? Yeah. Uh, by the way, have the results for that come out yet? For the uh, last no, choose your not, not the new one. It it'll, it comes at the start of February. All right, we we might talk about we'll talk about that next episode then. I guess. Yeah, um, I remember what chapter eleven is is now. Yes, it is a difficult map. Uh, but it tells a story and yeah. especially utilizing those emblem rings. Ah, yeah, it, it's, it's, it's very good. But all of these, these emblems, they feel, they do really feel powerful and they have such unique skills. And a lot of these skills can really work really well together. Like, for example, I love how the Len emblem and the, uh, Lucina emblem, those two can really work well together. If you know what you're doing, if you have them equipped to the right people at the right time and activate the right skills at the right time. Oh, and there's, there's so many skills that work really well. The, uh, thing, that, the thing that really got me is that during the previews, I remember thinking like, well, if you get the emblem, you're obviously in like an, now like a super, let's just say super Saiyan, why not? You're basically a Super Saiyan version of your character. So that means you just kind of like just plow through people. And that's not always the case. Like sometimes you can bond with your emblem and it's still like you're at a disadvantage, even if you have like the right weapon set up or whatever. So it's not like the imp being able to uh, combine and it's an instant win button. You still have to properly plan and strategize and stuff. I've had to use the time crystal a number of times. I thought, okay, this is going to be perfect. I'm going to do this and this. And it's not going to be a problem. It turns out, oh, I didn't anticipate X, Y, and Z. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. Oh, dude, you know what we, we didn't talk about? We haven't talked about the gameplay. Yeah, actually, go ahead with what you want to say. I'll get to it in a second. Speaking of, like, how these emblems affect the gameplay, the, just the gameplay in this one, in this game, is so different. Or, not different. It is a great natural evolution of just the fire emblem formula especially with the weapon triangle especially with this new break mechanic if you don't know what the break mechanic is it's if you have the weapon triangle advantage and you do land a hit opponent just drops their weapon and they don't counterattack that turn and for the next attack against them yeah that's what i was going to go for yeah the 
the break attack, when I first did it, I watched the weapon go flying out of their hands and drop to the ground and they start holding their chest or whatever. I was just like, that's what the break is. Because after a while, I'd stop paying attention to like the preview stuff because I wanted to go in like mostly, um, mostly uh, blind or whatever. And the break mechanic, that is so amazing. It changes. Like so many of the Fire Emblem games in the past, the str- there's been a normal strategy for Fire Emblem. One of the bigger standby strategies is just like play defensively. If you just play defensively, they will attack your unit when you want them to attack you. And it's usually very optimal and you're able to counterattack and then finish them off the next turn. It's a very defensive defensive strategy that are usually rewarded heavily. That changes with Engage and this break mechanic. You are highly encouraged to be a whole lot more offensive and just try to constantly break the opponents and be very careful if you're being defensive because the AI is smart enough. They will break you and they will kill you. The yes, AI and I've been playing. I've been playing on hard mode, and the this is some of the smarter Fire Emblem AI. I have had situations where it's like, okay, I know they're going to attack this person here, and it's like, oh no, you didn't. You actually did the highly optimal thing, and you didn't attack the unit who you had a better chance of killing this turn, but instead chose to go for the person you could break, so you could set up a kill for someone else. Break it, is not <laughs> break is not broken. <laughs> yes, you have to be very careful with this break mechanic, and I'm very happy about that. I've been greatly enjoying how this mechanic works. Even though I've been, been getting my butt kicked a lot, I'm having so much fun. In addition to the break mechanic, you also have the smash mechanic, which brings which actually brings some functionality back to the... I don't know if they've been in a game since Sacred Stones, but like the blade weapons, the iron blade, the steel blade, the silver blade... In Sacred Stones, since that's my reference point, it was like these weapons are really powerful, but they're all but they are very, very heavy. And your characters are a lot of times they're just going to get doubled, so they're absolutely useless from a gameplay standpoint. But here the blade weapons is that they've kept that, oh, they're slow. But what they can do is that if you initiate battle, your opponent can attack you first. So they'll hit you once. And then you can hit them back, but it'll also push them like a space backwards on the map too. And so it may actually like push them out of a, um, uh, maybe it won't push them out of a chain guard. That's something different. I believe it will push them if you're in a will position. I? Well, actually, no. No, because the, the person who's, who will chain guard will yeah, actually I, come I, and stop I, I've, I've I've never, I don't think I've ever attacked someone who was chain guard with a great attack. Okay, I need to attempt to that. I need to experiment to see what happens. Yeah, well, he probably. I was probably not. We'll, we'll see. I don't. I was playing this game early in the morning one day when I was on one of my off days, and wasn't paying oh. attention. But yeah, well, it will actually push them backwards, and it will throw them off, and it, that may actually open a space up, and then you can like go from there. That's another thing with this map. Now that you mention it, the enemy units they have more staff users and more of these monks with their chain guarding abilities, so. Oh, they'll be a whole lot more defensive, so you have to really work your strategies around. Like, okay, I have to kill the monk first. I have to clear that guy because he's protecting the armor knight, and I can't kill the armor knight, and I need to kill this armor knight this turn. Ah, uh, so much fun. One word, Cardwiz. One word. Fracture. <laughs> if you thought berserk staffs back in the day were annoying, wait till you get fractured. Oh, a fracture I, staff yeah. will hit you from very far away and it will break you instantly. So if you're surrounded by enemies thinking, <laughs> I'm going to get them this time. And then someone fractures you and breaks you. No, your, your unit's probably going to die. <laughs> you, oh, this, this game has good staffs. Cause we have the, uh, impede staff or whatever the stat you can place a giant crystal on the map to block enemies. And I've been using that staff a lot. That has say staff has saved my butt so many times. That one's um obstruct. Impede obstruct. impede will actually freeze an opponent in their place for like one turn. Oh dear lord, I've been hit with impede so many times and it screwed me over so much. Oh, my favorite I... staff my favorite staff, um well it's not my favorite one, but there's the there is the warp staff, and there's also <laughs> The rewarp staff, which confused the crap out of me when I first used it, because I was like, well, it's rewarp, so I guess it's just a new version of the warp staff. Uh, no. 
so let's say that you sometimes when you heal somebody, particularly like say maybe a horse unit, the horse unit runs off, your healer's left out in the open for like maybe a turn or two. It's like, oh crap, my healer's going to get surrounded. But if you have the rewarp staff, you can actually warp your healer to a different space and get them out of there. That's very handy. We spent a lot of time talking about the battlefield, but sometimes you just want to relax. Sometimes you just want to go to Garrick Mock. I mean, sometimes you just want to go to the Somnio and just walk around your own personal floating island and just explore. How do you feel about the Somnio? It would be nice. I mean, it's nice, but you only have like five minutes in there, so. Oh, wait, Somnio, not Somnium. No, 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 no. And it's six minutes. How dare you? How dare you mess up the joke? <laughs> this is what happens when you get when you do impromptu jokes and don't think about them. <laughs> uh, the Somnial. It's very, it's very calm. I think. I, I, I really, I like just kind of walking around. I walk around. My my Alir is the female Alir, and so she wears Micaiah's clothes and sunglasses because these shades are Gucci, baby, and words can't hurt me. Um, walking around, it's very cool just to see everyone kind of like in casual gear, chilling out. Maybe like some of your characters are out swimming. Uh, you can go fishing. You can have your fortune told. Uh, you can buy stuff for your, you can buy new costumes. You can buy your weapons, items. You can go to sleep and get woken up weirdly by other people. Uh, the yeah. sawmill is very nice. It basically takes the... Garrig mocks gigantic place of being able to go here and there and just kind of condenses it down into a more digestible um, uh, place. I keep, I keep saying the word place. It's nice. You can chill out. They've got a fun fishing mini game, which you can only do three times. They put a limit on it, which is probably for the best. Byleth made me sad there. <laughs> Byleth says that tea parties or a great way to get your allies to know one another. But he can no longer drink tea. And that's sad. sad. That, it, it also so means sad. that he can't it also means he can't fish anymore either. But he can be there to support you, much like our buddy Somni can be there. Sami, whatever the weird dog cat thing's name is. What'd you name yours? I named it after my cat Merlin. Dang. I just went with Sami. I was just like mm, Sami's fine. <laughs> It is. In Somni, you give him some oranges and he'll give you some shards which you can spend on bond rings. Hooray for gotcha, but it it's a neat thing and I'm going to keep doing it because I love myself some gotcha and I want to collect them all, but we're going to have so many, so many emblem rings by the end. It feels like the bond rings are not going to be very effective because the emblem rings are just better than the bond rings in everything, every aspect basically. Yeah, that's a little disappointing with the bond rings because it's it's like, oh, they give stat boost, but it's just like plus one. I think I saw one that was like HP plus two, strength plus one, and dexterity plus yeah. one. There, It's very minimal. Yeah, you've, you've got to fuse them all. you got to get them up to S rank. And then the S rank, the stats do become more significant or significant enough, I guess. But there's still, even an S rank is not going to be anything compared to an emblem ring. And... By the end of the game, you're going to have 12 emblem rings, I assume. Plus, by the time all the DLC comes out, seven DLC armbands, quote unquote, bracelet things or whatever. Because we see that there are seven spots for that in the ring chamber, in case you haven't look, looked at it. Uh, someone's done a data mine. I'm not going to uh -oh. say what it is. I'm not going to say what it is. I don't want to know. I don't want to know. You're going to like one of them. <laughs> this is a very good game and I look forward to completing it and then I look forward to our full-on spoiler-filled talk about this game that we're going to eventually have definitely you know I, I think I'm, I might have brought it up earlier when we were talking about Three Houses but and we were just talking about Somniel but like what do you prefer Somniel or, or Garrick Mock? I think I prefer the Somniel just a little bit because it is a little bit smaller. You don't have to deal with loading times of opening up the church doors. Don't have to deal with that anymore. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's true. For for me, I kind of like Garrick Mock just a little more. Uh, the 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 points that you bring up 
are absolutely true. The load, the weird loading times between the areas, but they serve different purposes, you know, and that the Garrick Mock being like this big, huge base and walking around and seeing all the different NPCs just kind of going around their normal daily lives. And not only that, like I almost feel like seeing the characters in the Garrick Mock react to everything that's happening in the world actually makes the world feel just a little bit fuller. Yeah. Garrick Mock being a central part of three houses, it Garrick Mock felt very important, very central to everything. The Somniel is just like, yeah, it's a cool place to chill out in between missions. Yeah. So I think they are comparable in one sense, but I don't think they're comparable in like the big grand story, if that makes sense. I agree with that. But, but you know what? What about the Somniel versus Garrick Mock versus my castle from fates i actually really liked my castle from fates it was one of the few things i really liked about fates and yeah i i think i still prefer this on the somnial because i think that the design of the somnial is very nice but I you like don't it. get a you don't get a tree house card was i don't get a tree house i don't have a weird fish thing i need to talk to i don't have to go pick lettuce every day instead i can just go pick peaches every day and pick grapes and, every day. And the best part, the arena that's here actually gives you experience and not wheat. Yeah, that's very, very nice. <laughs> and the one thing that the My Castle doesn't have, it doesn't have the Amiibo Gazebo where I can keep going there hoping I get music and clothing tickets and just keep getting relay tickets every single time even though I don't really use the relay system. Yeah. Oh, yeah, we didn't really... Get to, I... Uh, we didn't really get to talk about the relay system. Yeah, because I haven't used it that much. I think I've used it one time. <laughs> yeah, I picked up where yours left off, and then someone else calling themselves Greninja actually picked up where I left off. I didn't even bother watching it because I'd have to watch a replay. I was just like, yeah, this is this is nice. And I'm sure like some people will definitely get into it. But yeah, I really haven't messed with that part of Somnial that much. If I keep doing the relay stuff, I will post the codes onto my uh, Twitter account at KD Corley on Twitter and want to do some relay stuff. Feel free to find it there. And it literally is a relay. So what happens is that you start a map with an objective. You can only go so far and they'll be like, ah, 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 ah. now someone else needs to pick up, hand the baton to somebody else. And so then I will come in or I guess we'll use me as an example. I'll come in. I'll see all the moves that you've done. I will deploy my own units, which will be in addition to your units. Then I will go so far towards the objective. Then it'll tell me, ah, 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 hand the baton off to someone else. And then someone else, in this case, it was Greninja, who I guess finished. I don't know. I didn't feel like watching the full replay. <laughs> no, they haven't finished. I think someone else can do a relay on that one map. Yeah. But uh, yeah, that's, I was like, that's, that's a pretty cool way to, to actually like handle something like that. Never would have thought of that. It's an interesting, it is a very interesting bonus thing, way to incorporate multiplayer into Fire Emblem. Stop giving me relay tickets. Give me clothing and music tickets. Please. I've got like seven. I don't want them anymore. And speaking of Amiibo card whiz, I saw what you did. You, you sent a picture and you purchased Amiibo. Tell them what you purchased. I may have when I went to go pick up my copy of Fire Emblem Engage from the GameStop and I got my tarot cards. I also happened to pick up a Marth and a Sephiroth because those were in stock and I was just like, eh, why the heck not? I'll keep them on my shelf and maybe I'll sell them for a million bucks one day. Cardwiz, can, <laughs> can, can you hand me the rant hat again? Oh, uh, sure. Let me just pull that out. Uh, here you go. All right. Let me strap that bad boy on. I'm going to go into rant mode. Won't be too long. <clears throat> Once again, Nintendo of America has, in my opinion, failed us here in the U.S. by not giving us the restocks that other countries like Australia and Europe got. They had a full Fire Emblem series Amiibo restock. We didn't get that. We got Marth and the Player 2 Corn, and that's it. That's it. All right, Cardwiz, you'll put that back on the shelf. All right, put it right next to my Ike Amiibo and buy my Marth Amiibo. I will say, I um, I was just I was I was really disappointed in that they they shouldn't have done a better job on that. Yeah, it would be nice if they had more physical copies because I believe they ran out of a lot of physical copies in some places. So 
the num I believe the numbers were pretty close to how much three houses sold in the first week. But again, because we had a lot of physical issues, they could have been a lot higher, probably. Yeah, I ended up having to buy a digital copy because card was. Can, can you hand me the hat again? Up, uh, up, uh, sure. Here you go. All right, that bad boy's back on my nice little Fire Emblem branded fedora. Okay, so, and I'm sorry to do another rant, but I'm, I, I might actually expose myself here. Anyways, the the shipment center is three hours away from from where I live, or it's three to four. They always screw up my package. It's either not here on time or it gets lost or it's just, it's, it, it sits there. It just sits in their receiving facility. And I'm just like, why is it that when anything ships from GameStop out of this particular shipment center and I live three to four hours away that it takes one to two to three to four days to give it to me, but if I if I order some if I order again from GameStop and it comes from Texas, I get it in like one to two days. Quicker. Ridiculous. And and I'm gonna add this on because I because th- I absolutely, in a non-joking way, think this actually is BS. I pre order the game, and then later on they're like, okay, anyone who pre-orders the game is gonna get these tarot cards. Cool. I already had my pre-order locked in. And then a week before the game goes out. They changed it to, oh, if you pre-ordered online, you now have to go into a store with your order form that you got, and you have to get your tarot cards that way. I didn't find this out until a week later because they changed it at the last second. I I found this out on Reddit, so I didn't get my tarot cards. I got the Divine Edition. I've spent good money on this. So in addition to my package not being here on time, I don't I didn't get my tarot cards either. <sighs> okay. Card was take the hat. It'll be last time I use it this time. Ah, it's it, it's hot. No, uh ah. It's too powerful. Yeah. You can use that to uh power your switch in uh handheld mode. Now that I think we've got the rants out of the way, I think it's time to cool off. Let's take a little bit of time to Talk about some supports. Well, not really supports. I haven't unlocked any A sports yet in my copy of Engage yet. But we have something that's kind of similar-ish to supports to talk about. Fire Emblem Heroes comes through again. Isn't this so great? So a couple of days before Engage launched, um, we had several characters. We had like five characters from Fire Emblem Engage and join, join Kyrian and... Alphonse and all them in their exam in their uh, quest to defeat whatever enemy of the year is right, and um, they have level forty conversations. I picked two of them out. Um, they're both they're both female, so we'll have to put on our best ladylike voices. Um, but I chose Lumera since she's one of the characters we see at the very start of the game, and then obviously we got to choose the starring character, uh, Alir. But they only have female Alir in this game, so. Uh, yeah, that's what we're going to go with. Um, usually we, what we do is like, we look up people who've transcribed the scripts and just read off a page, but obviously this game's still brand new and not, and no one's really done that yet. I mean, I mean, you know, Hey, the game's been out for a week at this point of this recording. So no shade, trust me. Oh, it, we, we, in fact, you know, I would like to say, you know, credit to the people who have done this in the past and had that stuff on websites for years. Y'all are a credit and it would not the Emblem Support podcast would not be the podcast it was if we didn't have that resource. Anyway, so who do you who do you care to want, uh, Lumera or female Alir? I shall take on Lumera. All right. And those who do not know who Lumera is, Lumera is the first divine dragon of this universe or of this game. The mother of Alir. Allow me to thank you from the bottom of my heart for this wonderful opportunity to Kieran. In my own world, I know that I simply would have perished. But here, I can do so much more as a hero. My dreams can live on that much longer. I now have the time to laugh, to cry, to be silly now and again. Most importantly, I can spend time with the people I care about. And it's all thanks to you. 
So, as I fight for the peace of Asker, I look forward to more long talks like this with you. Shall we call it a promise? And not to spoil things about uh, Fire Emblem Engage, there are multiple references to possible things that will happen with the parent character. Nothing bad happens to the parent characters in Fire Emblem ever. Hardwoods, come on now. Come on. We had a running bet, which we still haven't decided the stakes to or even remember. Nope. <laughs> what, what was the bet? Like, when will she die before or after chapter like seven or something? It was like, like seven know. or eight. I think I had her like right at eight. I think you may have had her before. And we never decided stakes. So it might as well just be a non thing. If people were like trying to keep up with like emblem support podcast, kind of, but this, but this speech, it is very nice. And I think that it's not just like Lumera that feels this way. There are plenty of characters in fire emblem that have passed away and under tragic circumstances. And now they too can kind of, you know, they can, Hey, my dreams can now live on that much longer. I have time to laugh, to cry and to be silly now again. And most importantly, I can spend time with people I care about. And that's true for so many characters, main characters, in the Fire Emblem universe. And I feel like Lumera captures that perfectly in her speech. If you, I'm, I'm not sure if you want to give it a ranking or not, but what would you give it? It fits in well with everything. I'd just go bare minimum three out of five, at least. I think it's fine. We get to see, we get to see more about the character. I might even go up to four. It is, it's solid. It feels like a continuation of what the character could be from engaged. So they didn't screw that up at least. Yeah. And especially that, you know, a lot of the level 40 conversations now were definitely more like personal and stuff. Like once you get level 40 for a number of characters from like the very first game, it's just, it's almost just like, well, we're here in the end to fight for you, Summoner or Kyrian, whatever you named your guy or girl. And it's just like, yeah, but as the time gone, they've really nailed, you know, what it is that the level support level 40 um, conversation should actually be about. Let's learn a bit about our new protagonist in this world of Fire Emblem Heroes. Let's learn a little bit more about Alir. Thought I might find you here. This is where you come to rest after battle, isn't it? Kyrian? Hmm? How do I know? Well, I've been watching you to get to know you better. Want to know what I've seen? You're a wonderful person. In fact, the more we work together, the more you remind me of the emblems. Maybe it's just our connection, our bond of friendship, that reminds me how I felt around them. It's that warmth that I think of more than any ring. That feeling that you get when you're sure someone is there for you. So I want to be that for you as well. I want to be by your side, protecting you to the end. Consider it a promise. Like mother, like daughter. Pretty much. That's a nice touch with a promise. They do love their promises. In fact, card was you, because we're so far away, you might not be able to feel this, but my pinky's out. Can you just... Pinky's okay. out. Just touch the tips of the pinky. Yeah. Yeah, okay. We there go. we go. There we go. I, I feel I feel yeah, that warmth. Test our tips. Anyways, um, if I had to give a <laughs> rating, <laughs> I'm having too much fun today. <laughs> what, what's so funny? What I I, I don't get it. What's a, what's oh, a fun? Card was just. Uh... Anyways, if I had to give this one a rating, I think it's a three. It doesn't really give us kind of any insight to Alir as a character, and giving that like that this actually launched before. Fire Emblem Engage came out. I think that's kind of purposeful because they don't want to give you too much, but they want to give you just enough that makes you curious about the character. But she does actually come She actually does say something along the lines of, you know, it's kind of like how I feel with the emblems. So there's definitely a relate relatability. Can't talk today either. A relatability between O'Lear's relationship between her or him and the emblems and the summoner and the heroes that they summon. So, yeah. Three out of five. It's it's nice. I bet later on when we get a different version of Alir, because you know it's coming. Um, whether it's like a legendary Alir or rearmed hero Alir or uh maybe even a legendary Alir, since they're a main character, that they'll probably have a much better level forty. But for this, to kind of give you maybe a little preview for the character, I think it's fine. One last thing to touch upon before we bid our audience adieu, since we just talked about it. How do you feel about Alir as a protagonist thus far? Oh, I hadn't considered that. I think, what do I think about Alir? I, I, I like Alir. They're very forthright. Is that how you would say it? 
They're forthright straight up. They and they do do some things you might not expect them to do. If the clip has kind of gone on around online a little bit of that first cutscene where Vander's like, oh, Divine Dragon, we will charge into battle under your command. And Alir's just like, we're going to run. Yeah, I thought that was funny. Because someone's like, my main character! My main character! I was like, yes, run away, plan G. Inside joke there, but yeah. Um, I think, But Alir does what needs to be done. Like, there's no quit, I feel, with Alir. They say, yeah, I think they're very... It's hard, it's hard to put into words how I feel about Alir. Because I don't think their character arc is done yet. You know what I mean? Like, if you say... Yes, th- thus far. Yeah. But Ilir like, does feel like they have a person that... They are not a silent protagonist, which in this case is a b- very, very big plus. I feel like Ilir needs a voice, because when we have the characters like Klon and Fromm just constantly praising them at all times, I like that this Ilir is just like, uh, sure, okay. And it's totally just not 100% oh yes, I am the Divine Dragon. Or they don't put that off because they do speak. Yeah, yeah. I think I think is a good protagonist. I think when there are things to be done, the character has an agency to them. They are obviously out there fighting what needs to be fighting. There's no turning away because they know that, hey, oh man, again, trying to stay vague with things. When things are going in certain directions, they don't quit. They don't turn around, but they're not overbearing as a protagonist. And I think that's probably their most uh, enduring feature is that they are just not overbearing. Again, we will have to get to the end and figure out, because like I said, everything could just mass effect three where, Hey, the game is fine. 90% of the time where the character is fine. 90% of the time. And then suddenly everything gets upended by like the last five minutes. Like, Alir could just do something that's just like, oh, no, no, no. But it hasn't happened yet. I dig Alir. Um, Yeah, that's pretty much all I can say right now. I think that will about wrap Actually, up for this episode. Actually, wait a sec, wait a sec, wait a sec. Never mind, never mind, I'm, never mind. Back and off, I'm going back to Columbo off. this podcast. There was one thing. You never asked me my worst character. For the finale of this episode of the Emblem Sport Podcast. Who is your least favorite character in Fire Emblem? Indeed. I can't stand Alfred. I cannot stand <laughs> him. Him and his... Yeah, I... He, he's so... Boring. And he's constantly talking to me like, My muscles! I'm like, you, You're not much bigger than a twig. I could, I could pick you up and stuff you into a locker. I can't stand the sound of his voice. I can't stand his clothing. Alfred's voice... Alfred's voice, it feels like there were the director gave that voice actor like different directions on different days. Cause I'll have like the occasional piece of dialogue which is like, oh, you sound completely, you sound like a normal, conf- you sound like a confident prince who's ready to take over. Like his introduction cutscene was like, oh, I want to get to know this guy. He sounds nice. I like, look forward to hanging out with him. And then you have his, your first support conversation with him and it's just like, Oh, I used to be weak. My my muscles, and it's just like, wait, you're you're using a different voice, actor. You're using a different voice than you used a few minutes ago. What's happening? I don't like. As I said, I don't like him. I don't like his constant talk of his muscles with his twig body. I can't stand his voice. I hate him in Heroes. I was trying to pull for Chloe. I got him. I ended up getting Chloe anyways, but I got him. He has the highest defense stat. I can't stand that because now I can't just get rid of him. I cannot stand <laughs> Alfred. Look, in in the opening cutscene where it's showing everyone with their emblems, it shows him with Lucina. He doesn't even have Lucina in his own kingdom. He has no actual like canon uh, emblem to go with him. He's he's not good. I don't like Alfred. Maybe he'll maybe there will be something that will uh, change my mind on him one day. But uh, yeah, he's he's my worst character. He's on the bench. He can join Alpaca Kid. And the guy that looks like he loves cheese. And I think he's actually a chef. I don't know. <laughs> but with all the... <laughs> <laughs> one more aside, one more aside. As soon as that dude shows up, I'm just like, he looks like he really likes cheese. That was my impres- impression of him. And then it turns out he's a chef. <laughs> and his personal uh, his personal skills also chef related. I've never used him either. But anyways, <laughs> with all that said, <laughs> Hardos, where can they find you? 
They can find me on Twitter at KD Corley, and you can find me on Twitch at twitch.tv slash cardwiz. I will be playing Gasp, Fire Emblem Engage. Awesome, good stuff. Uh, you can find me personally at Plan Order on Twitter, together at Emblem Supports on Twitter and Instagram. And with all that said, chapter complete. Thank you.